Good morning, Air City. All right. Let me read the God's word to you, and then we'll begin our, our message today. The scripture comes from Matthew chapter 1. And we're beginning, begin in verse 18, and we'll read to verse 25. And this is now God's word. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and he shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. And this is God's word. Good morning, uh, at City Church. It's good to be with you, those of you who are here, and also streaming uh, on live stream. Um, today is a season of Advent, uh, and, and for the church, um, we have celebrated this uh, as a tradition, um, and, and basically Advent, it really means, it's a Latin word that, that means, you know, waiting, uh, coming, anticipating, and so we take this season and we get to celebrate and remember the coming of Jesus, and not only that, for us, for Christians, we get to remember and await his second coming. And so this is a very special time for the church. And it's not just a Christmas thing. It is a God-given season for us to anticipate uh, Jesus' coming. So today marks the first Sunday in Advent, and there's four Sundays. And so on the fourth Sunday, that's the last Sunday of Advent, means Christmas is right around the corner. And so today, on this first Sunday in Advent, I want to kick it off by talking about Joseph. The um, message for today is called Joseph, and the theme of the heroes that we've been talking about, I'm calling him the silent hero, all right? So I want to talk about Joseph, the silent hero, and uh, see why he was a silent hero, and see how he can kick off this Advent uh, season for us. Um, I I picked Joseph uh, because he doesn't get too much notoriety in our culture, and I don't know if you think about this, but when you hear all these Christmas songs, and we, we're going to sing Christmas songs and carols a lot during the season, we always think about the Virgin Mary, and there's a lot of wonderful songs about the Virgin Mary. Of course, tons of songs about Jesus the child, and also the shepherds too, they get some uh, songs in there, and we even talk about and sing about the town that he was born in, and the Magi's, and all these kinds of things. But do you realize that there are no songs about Joseph? You know, I've been still trying to figure out if there's a song. We, there's, a, there's an allusion to Joseph, but there really isn't anything about him. But not only that, when you look at the four Gospels, particularly Matthew and Luke, when you, when you hear about Joseph, there is no record of a word that comes straight from his mouth. And so he's really silenced as well. So Joseph, who is supposed to be the father, the earthly father of Jesus, you know, we don't think too much about him. But I'm choosing him to kick off this Advent uh, season for us because through his silence, 
Though he is quiet, though we don't know too much about him, he speaks volumes uh, to the church. So I want you to listen to this. So this quiet, the silent Joseph, whom God chose to supervise and care for his bride, that is Mary, despite her circumstances, and you know her circumstances of her pregnancy, this Joseph will be the man who's going to supervise and, and raise up and care for the baby, for the baby, for the child, that is Jesus, who's going to be the son of God, the ultimate man of God, all right? So as we think about Joseph this morning, church, listen, there isn't much on Joseph. Uh, you won't learn too much about him that you don't already know, all right? So we're not here to learn new facts about him. However, if you listen to this message with a a gospel heart, what you'll find is that you'll see God working and perfecting Joseph's character so that you can see why he is the silent hero that I'm proposing today. And I pray, it's not really about Joseph, it's about you, the church. As you listen to this message, I pray that you can also apply the character that you'll see in Joseph, how God formed it in him, that he can also form it in you. So that's what we want to look at. So because he's the silent hero, I have three points. I want to show you his quiet dilemma, even though his dilemma is not very quiet, but he made it quiet. And you'll see the quiet explanation of how to understand his situation. And thirdly, the resolve. All right. When you're in a situation, guys, you've got to have a resolution, and we'll see how Joseph dealt with that. All right. Point number one, the quiet dilemma. What was Joseph's dilemma? Well, in order to really make sense of this, we need to understand the context. And the context in the first century of how two people get together, a man and a woman, uh, is not through marriage necessarily, but first it comes through engagement. And this engagement is not what you think. Engagement in those days was a binding contract. It was nearly binding as marriage as it is in our day. So that's why when Joseph is called, you know, when he's referenced, he's always called Mary's husband in verse uh, 16, you'll see. And also, Joseph is married his wife. And what's interesting is that even though the Bible uses that language, they were not really married. Their, their marriage wasn't even consummated. So what happens in engagement in the first century is that it is... It is uh, uh, you know, families come together, this man, this woman, and the families agree that they're going to get married, but not yet. They're betrothed, that's the old language, or they're engaged, and it's just as binding as marriage. And it is so binding, in the first century, the only way to break an engagement is by divorce, all right? So that context is important. And so here's the story, the dilemma that Joseph was in. So you got these two people, right? Joseph was quite older. Uh, Mary was very young. And, and, and these two families come together, and they were engaged to be married. Married. So here's, here's Mary. She's young, her first wedding, and she's, like, so excited. And those of you who just got married and newlyweds, you know, you're, you're waiting for the wedding day. You're very, very excited. You're planning it out. Looking forward to, her, to that day when she'll finally be married to her husband, but then something happens. God comes into her life, and this is the account that we read, and, and uh, the Holy Spirit tells her that she's going to be pregnant. She's like, oh, no, I can't do that. We're not married yet. No, not by him. Maybe uh, another person. Oh, no, that's, that's way out of the question. Not only that, 
but it's through the Holy Spirit. Some miraculous, mysterious God thing that she's going to be conceived and she's going to have a child. I mean, seriously, not only does that not make sense, but what would Joseph say if he, when he hears this news that she was expecting before they were married, you know? Joseph didn't have the privilege to hear that conversation between Mary and the angel, you know? So, so um, you know, that's her situation. Mary is in a dilemma. Now, from Joseph, listen, we read in Luke's account. Now, how is, when Joseph hears this news, how is he supposed to react? In Luke's account of this, of this uh, uh, situation, what we find out is that immediately, as soon as the angel announces that Mary is going to get pregnant without any man, well, Luke tells us immediately Mary, you know what she did? She went to the hillside of Judea, countryside, to be with her cousin Elizabeth. Elizabeth had also uh, just got pregnant as well, and they were talking. And you know how long Mary stayed with her? For three months. And what that means is for one trimester of her pregnancy. And after that, she returned home. And she was supposed to tell her betrothed, her future husband, oh, by the way, I'm pregnant. All right? So that's the situation. Whoa, WWJD, what would... Joseph do. <laughs> Think about this. If you were Joseph, all right, and you understand the context of that first century uh, uh, wedding, and, 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 she, and your bride-to-be comes to you and says she's pregnant, and I promise I'm still a virgin, what are you supposed to believe? If you were Joseph, men or women, if you think about that, if you were his situation, what would you think? I, I don't know about you, but I... Uh, <laughs> I would think she's lying. I mean, there's, there's just no biological reason for any human being to be pregnant without, you know, without um, consummating. And so, so how does that even make sense? This, you know, out of all the strange tales that Mary could have told Joseph, there's this strange story that defies biology. And, and not only that, it was very suspicious. She had conveniently waited for three months to come and tell Joseph that she was pregnant. So how are you supposed to believe this? What are you supposed to believe? Three months? What would you do? W-W-Y-D. What would you do if you heard that situation? Now, before I go on, let me apply this uh, uh, principle real quick. This quiet dilemma is, is kind of important because think about this. Say you are in a moral dilemma like that. Or, or any kind of dilemma, what would you do? What would your mom and dad do? What would your church do, right? If you were in, if you are not, if you hear of a moral dilemma like that, not you, but maybe someone else, what would the church do? What would Christians do when they hear stuff like that? One thing is maybe they have a prayer meeting, have a little Christian gossip session going on, you know, or maybe on social media these days, oh, man, it gets publicized, especially if a, a leader in the church does something, boy, they, they, it's just out in the social media, you know. You got these two extremes, you know, and those not, that's not the right way to do it, guys, because whether you share with a few people, any dilemma, it could be yours, it could be others, whether you share with a few or tell everybody out of righteous indignation, um, our, moral, uh, our initial instinct is not to stay quiet, isn't it? 
is to tell somebody. We got to tell somebody. If not for prayer, but we got to tell somebody. Unfortunately, this is our unfettered instinct in the church. And I'll tell you, to be honest, when, when, I, when you hear moral failings and moral dilemmas, and especially if it's not me, you know, I like to hear about it. That's, that's just my sinful inclination. And these days, unfortunately, we hear a lot of that. And, and, and to be really honest, as I look into my heart, there's a lot of salacious details there. Do I want to hear it? No. Yes. <laughs> you know, maybe. I don't know. But, but, you know, we're like that, you know. And especially if I'm feeling a little bit spiritually inferior, it's kind of easier to hear somebody's failings so that at least it might be a bomb to my sinful heart to say, at least I didn't do that. I mean, I mean, you know, that's how I am. I'm not sure if you do that. But, boy, this is, these are what? W.W. Steve Na would do. Oh, gosh. And it's horrible, you know? And I'm a pastor, you know what I mean? So it's like, you know, what are we supposed to do? We're constantly on the spectrum. Tell it to a few people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or, no, how could they do it? Righteous indignation. Tell everybody about it. We're always in this, in this uh, range here. The reason why Joseph is important, the reason why we need to hear this, especially in this Sabbath season, is that what makes him so noticeable is that he was not on the spectrum at all. And this is what we need to hear about Joseph's character today. And listen very carefully. Our issues, whatever your moral dilemma is, whatever people's dilemma is, they do not stay quiet, especially if it's juicy. It does not stay quiet. But however, what we learn here is that Joseph kept the dilemma quiet. And that is really important. And this we need to think about as believers, as, just as decent people. We need to think about this. Because what Joseph did is instead of t- asking his brothers, his neighbors, even the Pharisees or, or anybody, uh, you know, what to do, he was quiet. He quietly wrestled over his own dilemma with Mary. He didn't even talk to her about it. But he was quiet, and this dilemma was with him, his soul, and with God. That's number one, which leads to the second point, the quiet explanation. If you've ever been in a rock and a hard place, if you had to make two this choices that was not good in either direction and both are consequential, you totally understand Joseph. You totally get him. If you ever had to have a, make a hard decision, here's the question, and we do this all the time. How do you know which is the right decision? Do I stay? Do I go? Do I marry her? Do I divorce her? You know what I mean? You know, it's consequential. How do you make a decision like that? Listen, Joseph could not in good conscience, on the one hand, take Mary, his wife. Knowing all that, it would violate everything about him and the law. It is horrible. He couldn't do that. Look on the other side. At the same time, he loved Mary. He didn't want to shame her. He, and, and everybody would know and, and, and how, could he, how could he divorce her? Uh, you know, he's, he, he's in a rock and a hard place in between. So what he did was he, that he was quiet in that dilemma and reset, wrestled with God. And, but he, he came with a decision. You see, when you're with God and you don't know, go from right to left, you don't know how to make a decision, but if you're quiet with God, you will get an answer. And Joseph 
found an answer. Look what happened in verse 19. He made a decision. He resolved to divorce her quietly. He made a decision. Now, here's the thing. Was this the right decision? I don't know if you ever asked that question to Joseph. Now, it was admirable. He did make a decision. He made a one of two very hard decisions because of his uh, um, love and care for Mary. His decision was quite admirable. Yes, he had to divorce her, but he did it quietly so that, you know, he wouldn't make a big deal. But here's the thing, church. It was the wrong decision. What? <laughs> it was the wrong decision. I want you to know two things here. Number one, verse 20 after he made the wrong decision, this is what Matthew tells us. Verse 20, as he, that is Joseph, being rocking the hard place, as he considered these things. Let me stop right there. I just want to reiterate point number one, all right? Remember, when you're in a hard, in a, when you're in, when you're in a hard place, what do you do? He considered these things. Again, he didn't go to Christian gossip. He didn't do righteous indignation. Indignation. He just complained to God, and he wrestled with the issue with God. Number one. Number one. That's important. But here's what I want you to see. And listen very carefully. How do you make a decision? Well, you know, Joseph made a decision. But if you, a lot of you, I suspect, if you're in a, if you're in a crisis, if you're in a dilemma, a lot of you are stuck. You don't know what to do next. A lot of you just can't make a decision to go forward, so you just kind of sit on it for a very, very long time. And if you, even if you decide to make one, there's a nagging voice in your mind saying, how do I, how can I be sure this is the right decision? So, so you're paralyzed, and you only have two choices, and you're paralyzed, right? Well, let me tell you something. Let me, let me help you here, because if you're a follower of Jesus, and you, and you really trust him, and you have to make tough decisions sometimes. Whatever decisions you make, all right, there's something amazing happens. The world, our situation only gives us binary choices, one or the other. Again, going back to Joseph and Mary, listen, jo if you look at the situation, there's only two, two choices. Mary's either lying or Joseph, if he believes that lie, he's just gullible. He's a sucker. You know what I mean? Those are the only choices you have about, this, about him. Or uh, if Joseph decides to publicly shame Mary, right, that means the other consequence is that Joseph, uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> you have to either publicly shame Mary, right, or Joseph has to get shamed. So one of them has to get the shame. And then he's also a sucker, you know. Or legally, Joseph could play their legal card and say, yeah, you know, she did wrong, and legally I divorced her. She could do that. But the other choice is that Mary, her reputation is destroyed. No guy would ever marry her. She's done. She's just, she's just uh, there's nothing else for her anymore. And so it's like we come into our decisions, guys, and we, it feels like the world only gives us binary choices, the either-ors. And that's not really true. Although it only looks like I only have two choices. But I'm going to give you a Christmas present here. Because <laughs> if you're a follower of Jesus right now, you do not only have two choices. Listen to this. Listen to this, Christians. Here is what God does. In verse 20, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, 
Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. And in parenthesis, dude, you made the wrong decision. (laughs) But this is how you're going to do this. This is the right decision. Marry her. And let me continue. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Isn't that what Mary told you? All right? So the angel, in his his, uh, quietness, and as he's wrestling, the angel explained to Joseph what the deal is. And here's the consequence. She will bear a son. He shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from his sins. And the angel quotes Isaiah. So here's the point. If you spend time with God, friends, in your solitude and in your wrestling, God will come to you. And this is the promise of of the scriptures. And I just want to share this with you, that that you will, whatever decisions you need to make, and especially if they're hard decisions, God will give you in this quietness an explanation through the Holy Spirit. And his answer is not binary, this or that, is always the third choice. And I love that. I love it because there is no wrong decision that you can make. Do you realize that? If you say this way or this way, you feel like I made the wrong decision, don't worry. Even if your decisions are wrong, it will be right because God has you. You get that? So don't be afraid. What this means is that the people of God, you have another choice. And if you're seeking God, you will get that right choice. You know, when I was in my 20s, I see a lot of singles here. When I had more hair and more muscles and more energy, (laughs) the one goal in my life is not God, but it's to get married. This is before I became a Christian. I just want to get married, you know. I went in a minivan before it was cool, you know. It's like, but, that, but in that way, I would never get married. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know, I was ready, and I looked for the one. I spent so much money, time, energy to find the one. And I thought I found the one. I even bought her a ring and everything. Guys, this is not moral dilemma. It's not, you know, it's okay. But if you don't know the story, this is public, so don't worry about it, all right? But, but the one I thought was the one that I proposed to, that I was engaged to, um, make a long story short, it didn't work out. And then I'm thinking, I'm never going to get married again. My, my time was ticking. Um, you know, I had no more energy, no more emotional reservoir for another relationship, much less marriage. I, I, was, I was done. I was toast. But what happens is, God in his infinite wisdom and providence, in my binary choice, what God does is he plucks me out and he somehow in his providence uh, allows me to meet Hyunsu and we get married. Is that God's will? Yeah, we're here. <laughs> you know? So how do you really know God's will? I mean, if you just do a thought experiment and go to an alternate universe, you know, uh, what, if, what if I did marry the original person? What if I never met Hyunsu? What if, what, if, uh, what if I remain single? I'm still single. You know, what if I marry another person? Would I be here preaching to you? I don't know. But for some way, God will work it out in some way that there is no wrong answer. Because if it's God's will, he'll make it away. So I don't know if that hits you, but... but Christians, especially those of you who are stuck, is this the right one? Is this the right answer? Is this this or that? Don't worry. Make a decision. Wrong decision? 
You know how sovereign God is? He'll make every wrong right. Do I hear an amen? Amen. Okay, good. I hope you believe that. Because <laughs> it's pretty amazing. That's your Christmas gift to you. All right? How do you know what to choose? Like Joseph, quiet dilemma. You going, if, you don't, if you're not in a dilemma right now, you will be guaranteed a dilemma. What do you do? You be quiet about it. You ponder upon it. You go to God with it. You wrestle your dilemma to him. And when you do at the right time, he will quietly explain it to you. And God is always speaking, primarily through his word, through prayer, through the community of the people of God. He will speak to you. There's no doubt about that. Then, then, point three, there is the resolve. It's wonderful. Are you hearing me? Okay. Um, after you get an explanation, look what happened to Joseph. Look at verse 24, 25. When Joseph woke from sleep, what did he do? He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. Remember, his decision was to divorce her. But, Jesus, but, but God came in and gave the right decision. But look what Joseph did. As soon as he got it, he got an answer, he did it. He didn't wait. He married her. Verse 25, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. This is amazing. How do you resolve your dilemma, your situation? You do something about it as soon as you get your answer from the Lord. Not from me, not from people, not because it makes sense, but because you heard it from the Lord that it's the right decision, whether you believe it or whether it doesn't make sense or not. Because I'm sure that there were doubts in Joseph's mind still. I'm sure there were tons of whys and how does an immaculate conception happen? I mean, even to this day, no one can figure this out. But of course, he still had questions, tons of questions. But what did Joseph do here? He acted in simple faith on the word of God. That's what makes him my hero in Christmas season here. He's not the ultimate hero, but he is cool because Joseph had to learn how to hear from the Lord. But not just that, guys. You know God's answers, all of you. But the problem is you don't move. You don't act upon it. You don't do anything about it. That's our problem. Joseph got an answer. What did he do? He did something about it. Did it make sense? Probably not. Did he know how or why or theologically why? No. But he did. And this is what God is calling us to apply this lesson during this Advent season. As we glean from the story of Joseph, as we glean from his life, we don't know too much about him, but one thing I'm highlighting is that he was a man of action, and he was quiet about it. He didn't gossip. He didn't spread rumors. He didn't do any of that stuff. He was just with God. When he hears from God, he does something about it. Listen, if God puts something on your heart, resolve to act upon it today, which you should have done yesterday, all right? Don't tell others about it. Don't try to come to me and others for confirmation or discuss and weigh the theology behind all this. No, if you've heard from God, do something. You need to resolve it in your heart between you and God first. Then take, by faith, take action. 
And what's cool about it is that once you get your answer and you start doing something, then the community and the church and the people of God will surround you and affirm what God said. Don't do the other way around. All right. So the question is, did God choose Joseph because Joseph was a man of action? The answer is no. He's just like you and me. I'm sure his instinct was to gossip, go to someone. What do I do? Of course, you have to seek counsel when you're in a dilemma. Of course, he's like that. But what we learn here in this is that he learned how to be disciplined. He learned God had to teach him to hear from, uh, from, from him. And as a result of this experience, he was able to lead his family. He was able to lead the earthly son of man. Can you imagine that? And, and because of that, listen to the rest of the story. After Joseph learned and the discipline of hearing from the Lord, now after he learned how to resolve to not divorce Mary, what did he do? He married her, and he went to Bethlehem because of census, and she uh, bore Jesus there. And, 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 of course, uh, uh, because of the Levitical rite, uh, after a few days, you have to take the baby to the temple to dedicate. And Simeon was there, and he confirmed everything what the angel said. And, and that brought into Joseph's heart to say, wow, this is how it works. And not only that, the Magi starts to come to town and, and, uh, wants, and talks to Herod. And remember what Herod does? Because he felt threatened, he, he uh, called for genocide for all the babies two years and under. And so the angel of the Lord again appeared to Joseph, not to Mary or anyone else. You don't hear this conversation at all. But all you know is that the angel told Joseph, get up and go. And you know what Joseph did? got up and went to Egypt. He didn't ask why. He didn't ask for validation or poll numbers. He just, he just went to Egypt, took his family to Egypt. And while he was there, we don't know how long, Herod finally died. And the angel of the Lord came to Joseph and said, Joseph, go back home. What did Joseph do? He learned his discipline. He said yes, and he immediately took his family straight to Jerusalem. But Herod, he was a, uh, his son was reigning, so he took him to Nazareth. And that's, that's where he belonged. This is how Joseph led his family during his early years of marriage. And later we see that this silent, quiet Joseph, you know what he did? He also led his wife, Mary. And what we find later on is that Mary learned from her husband. In Luke chapter 219, Dr. Luke was interviewing uh, Mary at towards the end of her life. And Luke tells her, tells us that Mary treasured all these things, what, in her heart. Where did she get that? She got it from her husband, who learned how to do this. Not only that, Joseph was so influential that Jesus, his, earth, his earthly son, who is the son of God, learned from him also. At age 12, we find that Jesus uh, was in the temple. And we remember that story. What was he doing in the temple? He was seeking God, seeking his heavenly father quietly. He was so quiet that uh, after the festival, uh, Mary, Joseph, all the clan, they were ready to go home. They couldn't find Joseph because he was so quiet. Where was he? He was in the temple. 
Where did he learn that? Probably from his dad. Now, as a young adult, when Jesus was growing, we don't know too much about him from age 12 to 28 or so, but presumably, we, theologians tell us that Joseph passed away. And so, while he's growing up as a young man, what does Joseph, I mean, pardon me, what does Jesus do? We often see him waking up and spending daily, what, quiet moments with not his father, earthly father is gone, but with his heavenly father. That has become his regular um, repertoire because as he's wrestling with life, the dilemmas that he has to see all the time, the understanding he has to see uh, as his calling to be the savior of the world and receiving and also enjoying the fellowship of the father. How did, what did he do? He did it quietly. And that was his regular rhythm of life. Where do you think he learned that from? From his father, Joseph. And regularly, and in and, and, and the most agonizing, the most intense time of his life, which is the Garden of Gethsemane. What does Jesus do? Like, guys, when you're, when, you're, when you're in agony, what do you do? You call other brothers and sisters to help, help you, and that, that's, that's normal. But what does Jesus do? He didn't go to the, his disciples. He didn't go to the Pharisees. He didn't go to his mom or siblings to help him in his time of need. He quietly, what do he do? Go to the Father such that his sweat turned into blood. Where did he learn that from? I think he learned it from Joseph. As the um, praise team, won't you come up here as I close this? Let's think about this. The ultimate Christmas story, think about this, was birth and quietly resolved in the Trinity. And think about the Trinity. There's, the Trinity is not even in the Bible. But what happened before the world began, before the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit created all of us and everything else, the plan was already set. That, that they, they quietly planned this. And in the Christmas season, God decided to execute this plan quietly. Such that 2,000 years ago, in a manger... This, this virgin bears a son in the quietness of the night, a silent night, a holy night. <laughs> so, so you see, guys, this quietness is no joke. Joseph lived this way. His wife learned it. Even Jesus learned it. And, and this is gospel because the Trinity comes to us in that same way, quietness. So I don't know what kind of dilemma you're in. I don't know what Christmas is like for you, but, but guys, God is giving us, he's giving, he's gifting us a quiet season. And in fact, we hate 2020 of the pandemic and it just threw everything off. But at the same time, it's a gift. It is a gift of solitude and quietness. So I pray that we would take that and, uh, and know that the gospel has been birthed in silence, in quietness. And God came into flesh in the quietness of the night. That's why we have to understand this. And if we get it, I hope that quietness will also change your character and your soul so that you will be able to make right decisions as well. Father, this is your hour. This is your season. And you've just given us a few moments to meditate and think. I just pray that you might speak to all of us. Speak to us in the silence and also the quietness of this music and and just, just being with you, just being in connection with you, 
Help us to learn from our brother Joseph, who is able to, to not only be an earthly hero for us, but, but he birthed the ultimate hero, and he was able to raise the ultimate hero, Jesus, for us. I pray, Father, that we would be able to be silenced whenever we need to so we could hear from you. So God, help us to meditate now. In Jesus' name we pray.